Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hey, welcome back to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. Uh, excuse me if my voice isn't awesome. It's uh, in the, the process of recovering from a cold. So there's definitely been uh, a couple of weeks where I'm waiting to release or actually I think we've been sick for like almost a month now, man been the longest longest throw cold ever planning to start biking back to work tomorrow so the commute is going to start again the weather's been good and the throat's doing pretty well overall so yeah those are it's kind of what's going on here a couple things the uh, bike pack adventures website is rebuilt now um there's no shop on it and the events page is deactivated and uh disappeared it's invisible uh, i'm still working on those but all in all, the, the the meat and potatoes of the website is there. And uh, so, yeah, check it out. Let me know what you're thinking. I'm working on creating a way to uh, select what routes you want to see by province, by distance, that kind of thing. So it's going to take a little bit of time because it's all new stuff to me. But I think it's uh, it'll come sooner than later and uh, it'll look pretty epic when it's done. I've started preparing for the Canadian Shield Bikepacking Summit. 2.0 or whatever I'm going to call it. Anyways, I can't say too much at the moment, but I can say that I'm planning for a new venue and that I think it's going to kick ass. So it's it's going to be better than ever. I've taken uh, all kinds of feedback from the last summit. So yeah, it's going to be super cool. I hope you come check it out if you're in the area. Tickets will probably go on sale sometime around maybe December sometime or early January. That's the plan. Um, yeah, I'll definitely fill in more details as they come. If you do enjoy the podcast and feel you're in a position to contribute, it would be really, really appreciated. Um, you know, helps the, the podcast grow, keep me paying all those monthly fees and stuff for the various website builders, podcast hosts, uh, URLs, all those things. Um, well, some of them are annual fees, I guess I could say. Yeah, and it just helps me try to produce the best possible product I can for you. And uh, so if you're in a position to do that, you can go to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. On that note, I would like to thank Steve R for uh, signing up as a Patreon and helping me out. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for the message as well. I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast and I will keep on uh, keeping on and try to keep producing some good content that you guys like. You can also help with the podcast, help out the podcast uh, through making a one-time donation through PayPal, if that's uh, more something in lines with what you can do. And I think I've forgotten to thank people that have sent help my way uh, over the last bunch of months, especially this summer, since it just kind of flew by. So I'm going to thank a bunch of people. And um, if you heard your name before and you're like, yeah, 
that's twice. Well, thank you twice as much. Um, so I'd like to thank Kathy C, Christopher D, Noah D, Francois I, Jeffrey N, and Adrian G. So thank you guys. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you everybody for all your help and support these past uh, four and a half years and helping me keep the show going. Motivated to do it. Uh, definitely when you get sick or you travel, it's really hard to keep it going and uh, pauses and breaks happen. Came back in September, right at the start of September from Japan. And I had every intention of like, oh, I had so many ideas of things to release. And then we got wicked sick as a whole family, babies and daycare and all that stuff. So yeah, it's been all kind of on hold and uh, just kind of waiting to happen. So on that note, I'm going to roll into today's episode. So here it is. In this episode of the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, I have a chance to speak with Claire Pomicala. When I first came across Claire's journey into bike touring, what really stood out for me is that it all happened so quickly. With her first tour quite literally straight out of college to then embarking on a pretty epic journey across a big chunk of Europe, Claire has really dove headfirst into bike touring and its many facets. After a stint of working the 9 to 5, Claire decided to drop it all and cycle across the US and is now what she calls fun employed. Tune into this episode to learn more about bike touring and Claire's upcoming adventures. Hey Claire, welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. And it's very nice to have a bike tour on the podcast again. It's been a little while. Um, originally, the podcast started as a bike touring podcast, but then I got more into bike packing and it kind of became a, a much bigger thing. And uh, every so often, it's still nice to just talk about straight up old school bike touring. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so why don't we just start easy? Tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from and all those fun details. Yeah, so um, my name is Claire. I grew up in Baltimore County of Maryland. And um, I grew up in Baltimore County. I went to school in Atlanta, Georgia, and I studied public health there. Um, I've always been like into sports my entire life growing up. It was always sports and art for me. Those are like where I dedicated all of my energy when it wasn't for school. Um, and during the pandemic is when I became a cyclist because I couldn't go to the gym and I was in the rowing team and I could only lift so many weights in my backyard before I lose my mind. So I got into biking during the pandemic um, and I did a bike tour after college. And then when I finished that tour, I got a regular nine to five job. Ew. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, I, I I got the job by accident while I was traveling in Europe on my on my second bike tour. Um, and I came back and I did the whole nine to five, which was like, you know, good in the sense of I got to put some money in my 401k and like, you know. Pay off some student my, debt and all that fun stuff. Yeah, stuff like that. Like I was able to, you know, upgrade my wardrobe a little bit and have stuff that actually fit me properly and not just like things that were from the thrift store that were $2. So like... It was good to have that money, but also it was a nine to five. So I took time off from work to bike across the country for a supported bike tour. Yeah. Um, and then I quit my job at the very end of that bike trip. And now I'm currently fun employed. Oh, nice. So, so tell us, yeah. um, did you grow up uh, in Maryland? Is your is your accent a Maryland accent or is it kind of Georgia as well? Um, it's definitely a, like a, a Maryland Baltimore accent. So for example, okay. right, like. I, I don't say Baltimore. I say Baltimore. I'm That's from weird. Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is just, you kind of just slur your words together. Like, to be fair, when we're in Atlanta, <laughs> a lot of us say Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. So, like, 
it just, I guess, I guess if you're a native, you just, you know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Like, Atlanta, like, yeah, just, I guess it's like, I, I, I would say Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I think people from Toronto say Toronto, like they kind of just Toronto. settle it, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Awesome. So did you grow up in a, a pretty, uh, like you might, I mean, as a rower and stuff, you must have grown up in a fairly active family like this, the whole concept of doing sports and being active. So my mom pushed sports for the kids and for me and my brother, my brother wasn't really into it. So like after she was like, after he was kind of done, you know, trying it out, like she stopped, but I, I just loved it. It was very easy for me. Like sports just always came naturally to me. Like just the mentality of it. Like I love pushing my body. It's, it's not like my, like, it's not like I was really super pushed. Like after being a child, you know, when you're like six years old and your mom's like, you gotta learn how to swim. Like, yeah. it's not like I was from there. Like my mom or my dad was really like prioritizing athletics. I just really loved it. Okay. So it was pretty much just, me loving sports that was really yeah. it it wasn't because i always feel yeah, was, i feel like rowing team people it's very niche sport it's not something like it's a, it's the strangest sport to just fall into there's got to be like yeah. i always imagine that there's like a multi-generational connection to like our family we row you know <laughs> yeah well so i was in the club rowing team not like a varsity rowing team okay. so i just you know, when I was in high school, I did soccer, track and field and lacrosse. And then I just did soccer and track and field. And then I eventually quit all of them. Um, and I got to college. I wanted like a fresh start. And I just, there was like this club fair where all the sport, all the club teams mm -hmm. were around. And I just saw rowing. One of the girls was like really jacked. And I was like, this is it. And like, you're like, look I, at her. I'm all right. <laughs> that was like, I saw her quads and I was like, this is what it is for me <laughs> and it was great like I really liked rowing a lot um, yeah, yeah. and I like it kind of came naturally to me so I I enjoyed it it's a really good it's a really good sport for pushing yourself that if that's what you want to do yeah yeah that's wild um so yeah you said uh the pandemic is kind of what got you into biking um how did that kind of play out and was it just like yeah. somebody either you found a bike laying around you're like oh could do this so I the first bike I ever purchased, I was a sophomore in college and I got it because I was going to a therapy appointment, which was three miles away. I didn't want to walk an hour. I didn't want to take an Uber. So I got a bike to get there faster. And that was pretty much it. I just used my bike to get to campus, to get to like the occasional doctor's appointment. And then the pandemic happened and I personally like a balance of weights and a balance of cardio and I don't run. Right. I have, I, I just, I just don't. So I couldn't row because the gym was closed. And I was like, well, I need a different kind of cardio, which is not running. Mm -hmm. And I had two quarantine roommates and one of them just like showed me some of his favorite bike paths around the area. Oh, cool. And that was what kept me sane because you were basically under house arrest unless you went out, like walked around your block. That mm -hmm. was all you could do. Go to the grocery store, like go to CVS or just like stay at home all the time. So what I did was I just biked all around Atlanta and like I have a whole map of it in my head now because there are so few cars on the road I just like and then that led me to a different friend and then he really mm. took me on longer bike routes then that led me to a bike shop and I started like hanging out at the bike shop so it was like outside so I could actually be social during the pandemic yeah yeah um, uh, so it just like that was what kept me sane and yeah. like, happy in the pandemic and prevented me from like basically being under house arrest and how far how fast did your like mileage uh rack r like 
ramp up to like where you're doing longer rides, bigger rides. And I remember when the second friend that I went biking with doing like 45 miles and that was like epic. <laughs> that was like a long ride, you know, like 45, 50 miles. Like, whew. <laughs> um, I also did have like a pretty clunky bike. So for me that like I had a, like a steel event, like nineties Trek mountain bike. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I think I saw a picture of it. Um, it was somewhere way down in your Instagram and I was like, Ooh, that's old school. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm very stubborn. He had a nice bike. I had an old heavy bike. So I was, you know, like, I didn't want to be the the weakest link. I'm like working really hard (laughs) to keep up with him. (laughs) Yeah. Sweet. And uh, did you do any overnighters before starting your month trip back to Maryland? Or was it just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. So I did two kind of half ones. The first one was a bunch of the people from the bike shop. They went camping every now and then. Again, a quarantine activity that we could do. Just like stay in your own tent and be outside together. So we went camping once and I was like, I've been thinking about biking across, biking home. So what if I give you guys my camping gear, all of my stuff, I just bike there with like my food and my water. So Mm. that was my first trip. I just like, they kept the stuff. um, They kept like my stuff in their van and I just biked to the campsite. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then I just biked back like the next day or maybe whatever it was. And then the first actual overnight trip I did was at the same campground. And I just went with one of my friends. So she and I biked overnight to the exact same campground and then biked back. So that was it. That was like the extent of my preparation before biking home. I mean, that's probably more than some people get out of it. You know, like I, was, I think yeah. some people, I was just watching one video, uh, like one person's Instagram recently and they, they've created a pretty big following with lots of, lots of like posts and stuff, but they're starting a bike, a huge bike tour. And the day before they left, they were still getting their, dynamo lighting set up on the bike and had just assembled the bike so nothing was ready and it's like whoa you guys are nuts like you know, yeah but i mean whatever go for it yeah i Why mean not? <laughs> i knew very little like i almost left for that trip like not knowing how to change a flat <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> because i would go to the bike shop and help out but my helping was usually drinking a beer and chatting with people so oh, that's the best kind of help like <laughs> yeah yeah so um like what kind of gear did you have when you biked home uh to maryland and how did you pack up your bike i'm, I'm assuming it's was traditional four panniers racks kind of thing yeah so i just had two of like the larger ortlia panniers in the mm-hmm. back and then I had my tent just bungee corded on top because um, I had like the cheapest REI bundle tent, which is like kind of large and clunky. Mm-hmm. I just bungee corded that. So that was basically it. I just had the two panniers okay. and then the tent on top. So it was back heavy. It was like the entire time. Yeah, that yeah. Was it. Um, but you'd and- already set yourself to not carry as much stuff as if you had like, oh, well, I have a rack on the yeah. front and let's just put more panniers and yeah, cause more misery. Was, yeah, my thinking was like, um, it's summer, so your clothing is basically tank top and shorts. You don't like that's that's it. It wasn't going to rain. I didn't need like any mm-hmm. rain gear, and it was only like a month and a half. Like worst comes to worst, I don't know. Like I feel like I just didn't need that much. Yeah, my first bike tour was also well. I was using a mountain bike uh, with a really wobbly rack on it and two panniers, and it worked fine. I mean, I had way more than I needed because I think I even bought souvenirs along the way and just started strapping them onto the bike which was a really yeah. dumb idea because it turned out to be really heavy but whatever you know 
yeah. you live you learn yeah yeah i mean you need you need some souvenirs like so uh so how was that first tour i i remember one of your little videos uh you looked pretty down on the i think it was day three you were like i can't believe i have so many kilometers to go and like <laughs> uh -huh. um you know it was it must have been tough to get going and all of a sudden be on your own right um yeah so my first tour from atlanta so i went to atlanta to savannah and then to baltimore and there are some frustrating days because there's like nothing in georgia sometimes like there was like literally nothing so it was an interesting experience being in like rural america mm. where like i mean i'm in the i'm like from the suburbs in the city so it's just a whole whole new experience but um it was fine it was just really hot i don't know like the worst days were like when the dogs chased me there was one day where like seven dogs chased me and that was like just so scary um <laughs> and i don't know i, I oh there was another really really tough day when i had just left savannah when i lost both my phone and my wallet oh jesus I was on the side of the road, like full mental breakdown, like crying, screaming, like hyperventilating, like snot everywhere. I eventually found my phone. Oh, um, my wallet was like, long gone, but like, I don't know. The first trip was like fine. I don't, those, those were only oh, two okay. like, hard days I yeah, can yeah. think of. Like Europe was, biking in Europe was a lot harder. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just like, I, I was still kind of underprepared for Europe, um, but didn't care too much. I just wanted to go out on an adventure. I just, I have the mentality of you'd figure it out while doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and just like, that's how you learn. Seam of the uh, pants and all that stuff, right? Yeah, just like you learn by making mistakes. At least I learn by making mistakes. So <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes in Europe. I'm similar. And sometimes I just keep making the same mistakes and clearly not learn, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was about six weeks to get home, uh, your first tour. Yeah, it was a month and a half. Um, Sweet. I like hung out with friends along the way. So I had a friend oh, nice. in Charleston. I was in Charleston for like five days. I was in Richmond for like four days. I was in DC for like four days. Oh, and sweet. Yeah, yeah. The next stop from going home. So like <laughs> I really milked my time when I was seeing my friends. So. Well, I, I mean, you like, just graduated and it's like, who knows what's going to happen next? Everybody gets jobs and. Yeah. Married or engaged and kids and God knows what. Right. And so it's like, let's do yeah. it now. Yeah. Like I just wanted to have, I don't want to get a job yet. Like what's the rush. I'd rather mm. just hang out with my friends for a couple of days in like a brand new city. It's yeah. way more interesting. That was, I think my early tours were like a lot of like city hopping, chilling in yeah. cities, exploring, adventuring, meeting people, couch surfers a lot at that time. Um, mm -hmm. Lots of partying. And then I'd eventually I'd get back on my bike and be like, I've got to go. And jump on the yeah. my steed and carry on you know <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's good to be social there's there's no rush to settle down I don't yeah think. and um did you did you find did you have any challenges as a young woman on a bike um you know doing this trip um, like for the first one not really people were always like someone's gonna follow you and all like if you're camping someone's gonna do this and that and I mean, like, yes, that could always happen, but there was not like, who's going to follow me? I don't know. I just, it was probably more of a, happened. go ahead. The, the thing is, is like, 
you're most likely going to get hurt by someone you know if you're a woman mm-hmm. you know like obviously people are still hurt by strangers every day you know every day like i have but you're statistically most likely to get hurt by somebody that you know so on this trip right i was alone i didn't know anyone most people they see me they pity me mm-hmm. they're like please let me give you gatorade like let me yeah. give let me you buy you lunch let me whatever yeah. i've had i had people buy me lunch mm-hmm. like um so biking I had no issues. I actually had more issues in Europe than I did in like the southeast part of the U.S., which I was a little bit surprised about. I thought it maybe would be a little bit different, um, but I think actually what what I hear is America is. I haven't cycled toured in America, but I I keep hearing that it is it is like right up there with these uh, you know Turkey and Iran and stuff where the people are so giving and friendly. Americans mm-hmm. are very similar, more more so than Canadians, where Canadians are so polite. We don't want to disturb you. By asking you, like, they don't want to disturb you by asking you questions. Oh, what are you doing? Where are you going? So a lot of times they just don't say anything. And yeah. so you lose this chance of interaction, you know, where in the U.S. they're not shy to come up and talk to you and for either yeah. good or bad to tell you, like, oh, you're crazy yeah. or like ask with admiration about what you're doing. You know? Yeah. Most people were concerned. I There was one day where there was... um I was apparently, I got a flat in like apparently a really sketchy area, I think outside of Virginia Beach or something. Okay. And I ended up, I couldn't, my patches weren't working. I called my host and I was like, can you come pick me up? Like I'm like, I left, I'm like three miles from where you live and like I'm out of patches and tubes. And <laughs> she picked me up and she was like, this is a really dangerous area to be in. And I was like, it's a Sunday at 10 a.m. I think I'll be fine. Yeah. All, all the bad people are still sleeping. <laughs> I was like, I was like, cause her husband was like a police officer and apparently like all the drama happens there. And I was like, oh, well, it's like Sunday at 10 a.m. I, 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 whatever. There was a man who was like drunk hanging out with me, which was a little uncomfortable, but I think he was more afraid of me screaming than he, than I was afraid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. but he had some really good weed. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, no, no issues in the U.S. I had more in Europe. Yeah. Um, so where was your yeah. tour from and to in Europe? Um, I think I saw so, you start in UK and I forget where you went. Yeah, so I started in London. Um, I was originally gonna go, go straight from London to the Netherlands, then Berlin and then Prague and all that stuff. But I got into London, ditched my entire itinerary um, because I realized that I wanted to travel as long as I could. And the UK was not a part of Europe, which means that the length, that duration of my time in the UK, like would not impact much it could be in Europe. So right. UK for like two months, um, like hang out in London. I think I was in London for like two or three weeks total. Cause I started and ended there as I did a whole loop across the island. I went to Wales, I went to Scotland, I went to Edinburgh, I went to um, like Glasgow and then I came, nice. kind of came down the East Coast and then eventually made my way center to London. So I spent about two months in London um, and did you have friends there or was it just kind of like uh, you met people oh, through the community and I, I I did have one friend in London. Um, that's part of the reason why I flew there was because the only person I knew lived in London. And um, I stayed at a hostel. He lived pretty he, he lived like not too far away. And we hung out a few times um, and I saw another person from college. Um, and I saw another person from college in Edinburgh who I didn't know was living there at the time. Nice. Um, but my only friend in Europe was mainly the one guy who was okay. In. Yeah. Nice. So you spent a couple of months in UK just to, just as it was like free Europe time, basically not free cash wise, but yeah. like free visa free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I want, I had not that much money in Europe, but I wanted to stay as long as I could. So I figured three months when I actually get to like 
Europe, right? UK, I'll be there for like one, two, I, I could be there up to six. So I was like, if I really wanted to extend it, I'd be in UK for six. <laughs> but right. I was there for two months. And then I went to the Netherlands. Um, and also it was getting cold. So I kind of mm. had to, I started September 1st. Right. Scotland. Yeah, so, you had to start getting south. <laughs> yeah, so I had to go south. When I left, I stayed until Halloween. That's when I like I wanted to celebrate Halloween in London. Okay. So with like, my friends who were at the hostel, because I, I I started at a hostel, made a lot of amazing friends there. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, they were all like, "Oh my god, you're back!" And I had the Halloween there, and then I went to Netherlands. So, yeah. Nice. How was your experience cycling in Netherlands? I mean, I'm, it's it's kind of like the picture perfect bike country, isn't it? It's the picture perfect bike bike country for like commute commuting. Yeah. Right. Like. The thing with the Netherlands is there there's so much development that it's a little bit hard to get and like immerse yourself in nature, I feel like sometimes. Right. Um, yeah. And there are tons of bike paths, tons of bike lanes, which is great. Um I think it I was a little bit underwhelmed and I think it might just be because there were no hills, which is just like I wanted a couple of hills. And also you know, when you're in the United States and you're biking, you're kind of like a rebel almost, you know? I was a normie over there, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I, felt, I was like, oh, everyone's biking. I'm not like cool. I'm not like, special I'm anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm not going against the system of cars, like everyone bikes. And I was like, I was like, I guess I'm not that special. <laughs> yeah. But now that was just great. I mean, it was like very flat. Um, you would be in the next city in like 20 miles, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, that's was, what I've heard. It was very, it's very condensed right so it's nothing's ever too far away yeah yeah but beautiful like beautiful country like i met some great people um i would if i were to go there again i'd want to go less in the cities and more like remote that's what i would do next Mm -hmm. time and then from netherlands you were in germany yeah, I went down the Rhine River. So I oh, yeah. went like a shoot, shoot down to Italy. I went down the Rhine River, just like blasted through that. Like it was cold. I was wearing a wool sweater, you know, like I was wearing like um, a beanie. I had like two glo- like two gloves on. I get cold easily. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I was like just blasted down the Rhine. Yeah, it must have been cold because you're you're talking like November sometime, right? Yeah, because basically I wanted to see Amsterdam and like and like Rotterdam and a couple of cities in the in the in the Netherlands, and then I got to Germany and I was like, sorry, I just want to get out of here. Like I, it's cold, I can't enjoy much of my time. So um, I went straight through Germany. You know, um, I don't know how many rest days I took, and then I got to Switzerland, hung out in Bern, and I went to Bern, Lucerne, and Basel, and then I took a train over the Alps because it was like late November at that yeah point. yeah there's probably significant amount of snow on the roads too and yeah yeah and I just I wasn't prepared for that kind of like winter cycling yeah was what was your what was your kit packing at that point like I mean you must have been accumulating stuff as you go because you're like oh it's cold here's a chance to buy some more gloves or yeah I had to buy like because right I thought I was gonna get to London in September and then be in the Netherlands like for September mm-hmm. so I thought it was gonna be like cool weather but it was cold um, I had two panniers in the front, two in the back, plus my tent on top. And um, I ended up buying a wool sweater when I was in Edinburgh. Like it was $10 from the thrift store, like Irish wool. Um, oh, more. that's been a great sweater. Pants. Yeah, I had to buy, buy rain pants. I had to buy like an extra pair of gloves. Um, 
I didn't have that much money. So like I couldn't buy all that much stuff. Like mm-hmm. if I, I could have, I would have gotten a, a new rain jacket because mine was only 50% effective. And I would have gotten like waterproof covers for my shoes, but I, mm-hmm. I was, I was like truly broke traveling. Okay. Like, so I was going to ask yeah. you where you staying? Like, so did you stay in hostels away or you did start camping as soon as you left the UK kind of thing? Um, I only camped three times actually. Oh yeah. I carried all of that weight for like no reason. <laughs> uh, Cause my, I don't have the greatest quality sleeping bag and, and it got I cold. I don't like being cold while I sleep, so you can't sleep. Um, and also camping costs money unless you wild camp. And wild camp was scary and it was raining all the time. I don't want to like be stuck someplace where it was like muddy. So I did warm showers. Yeah, 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 yeah of course, yeah. Dude, I did warm showers for like 90% of the days. Okay. Like, yeah, I just. And that kind of helped you stay within that budget, right? Cause you said you, you didn't have a ton of extra money like budgeted aside from food and yes, cheap yeah. wine and beer and stuff because it's so cheap in Europe. Yeah, like I stayed in hostels whenever, whenever I wanted to be in a city to like take a break, that's when I went, was in a hostel. Okay. So London, I spent a lot of time there. Edinburgh, I spent a lot of time there. When I was in, there was a place in France, Antibes, France, and those are the main places where I actually like, yeah, settled down in a hostel. Oh, okay. Relax. I warm showers. Like yeah. I, cause you eat a lot of food. Like so much of my money went just to food. Yeah. It's, it's always pretty impressive. And I find it, I'm not one, I'm not really good at like, uh, I mean, I've met and I've talked to some really resilient bike travelers who, you know, have a budget of, oh, there was these two French guys that blew my mind. Their budget was five euros a day combined. Uh, they were on a, a, a tandem and these two buddies and wow. th- three euros was for food and two euros was for accommodation, which they could accumulate. So when they needed something, they had extra cash, quote unquote, cash in hand. And they somehow cycled from France all the way to where did I meet them in Laos? They came to my house there. Oh, sorry, in, in uh, Cambodia. And. I was just blown away that these guys had somehow pulled this off because I'm like, how could you possibly eat your way through Europe on, on a budget of three euros a day? Like you must've been just boiling rice and going, well, today we have one, yeah. <laughs> one onion to share, you know? That, that's, I can't comprehend. Yeah. That. And, and, I'm, and when I'm traveling, I want to eat the local food and I want to enjoy some of that good yeah. stuff, you know? So I agree. Like yeah. I didn't go out to eat that much, but like I at least would go to like the bakery and just like, you know, try all their pastries. Oh my God. Or, those German bakeries, right? Aren't they the best? Dude, <sighs> German bread. I didn't know that German bread was next level. Like yeah. German breakfast was next level. Let me tell you that. I, that's one of the good tell things. Tell us about it. <laughs> huh? Tell us about it. Well, so when staying with warm showers, host is really great because you're with locals mm-hmm. and German breakfast is kind of like, I mean, it's way more relaxed. It's actually treated like, you know, we treat dinner here, like a gathering of people, like give a whole spread, like multiple times. It was like multiple types of bread that was gotten like that morning with like literally every topping or spread imaginable. Mm -hmm. Cheese, creams, like- Marmalades and jams and- Everything, everything. Like it was, and the the bread was just so good. (laughs) Like I didn't know that it was, German breakfast was really good. All yeah. the French people I hear that just heard you are like, oh, 
stupid American. She should come to France more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to the southern coast of France and it was good. I got a, I got a croissant and uh, got a couple of, I got croissants everywhere, to be fair. That's like the thing that I will uh, spend yeah, any I mean, money on. You need that. That's like solid butter and stuff. It's perfect for that biking uh, energy, you know? Yeah, yeah. A croissant with a latte is like, the thing that I will happily spend money on any bike ride that I have. I took my my nephew last weekend on an overnight bikepacking little adventure and we stopped in the town 25, 30 kilometers north of here, Wakefield, and went to the bakery for breakfast. And probably because he'd done all this riding, he comes up to the guy that the, the bakery, the owner, and he's like, this croissant is the best croissant I've ever had in my life. And the guy's like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, Uncle yeah. Chris, this is really the best croissant. And I was thinking, you've probably just been biking a lot the last day and a half, and you're yeah. really famished for a good croissant, you know? <laughs> That's typically how it is. Like, someone will make, you'll have, like, the the plainest meal of all time, and it'll taste like like a Michelin star restaurant kind of food. Yeah, yeah. You're like, these, these instant noodles. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you made your way south. You you spent you took a train out of Switzerland, and that was into Italy. Yeah, I took a train just over the Alps. Yeah. I, I had met someone in London. Wait, I had met a guy when I was in Edinburgh because I had a flat tire and was like really mad. <laughs> and he, I, we were at the hostel, and so he fixed it for me because I was obviously in a bad mood and stressed out. And <laughs> he was living in Switzerland, so he was like, "Oh, if you bike through, you should stay with me." Oh, that's he was nice. So I stayed with him. He was like near um, like Zermatt um, in that area. Mm -hmm. And from there, I started to bike through Italy. Um, I think I think I took a train at one point because I was just like really tired and needed a break. But I pretty much the, I pretty much took, a, took a train through the Alps or over the Alps or whatever. Um, and then I biked from like the south part of Switzerland through Milan. And then like for I went through towards Monaco went, and then Nice and all that. Yeah, yeah. So I went through, I kind of like, because my flight was already booked, I had a lot of time to kill because okay. I blasted through Germany. I tried to get through the cold areas faster. Italy was still cold though. Um, so I went to like Pisa and I went to um, Bologna. I went to Florence. So I kind of went a little bit inwards into Italy on the okay. northern half. And then, yeah, from like Genoa, just hugged the coast. Did you um, find Italy expensive? Like I, 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 keep, I hear it's kind of expensive considering... The economy yeah. is not typically that well off these last uh, decade and a half, uh, so, but just expensive. Yeah. Everyone talked about Italy being so cheap and I got there and I was like, I mean, it's like 10% cheaper. I felt like than the other places. I've oh, been. Okay. Obviously Switzerland was like expensive, but mm -hmm. sure. um, I didn't think Italy was that cheap. It was a little bit cheaper, okay. but not that cheap. Like people just talked about it. Like, it was, you know, just like super. But not like Spain and Portugal cheap. Like those those places are. I hardly even remember, honestly. Yeah. Like I literally only got groceries. So yeah, right. like, <laughs> and that, and that, and like, I don't look at the bill when it comes to groceries. Like it's food, you yeah. know? Like I, I buy just like bread, fruit, peanut butter, like the basics. And I'm like, I'm buying what, cheap food. Whatever like, it costs, it's going to get paid no matter what. So it's, yeah. Yeah, I have to eat. If I, if I don't eat, I'm going to bonk. And that's yeah. not an acceptable reality. How how many? What was your distance like? Average, roughly, like what's your? Oh, I did the math. Um, I think I did about forty five miles with two thousand something feet of elevation a day, and that was a lot for me. Uh, well, 
most of the elevation was in the UK. So after mm. that, it, it would it chilled out a bit more. Um, but that was like a lot for me because it's not like I was huge into cycling before it. Like, I mean, yeah, I rode and I weightless yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, my longest bike ride was like, I don't know, like 60 miles, like 70 mm-hmm. Um, I had a really heavy bike, like this is still that that old school trek. I got a different bike. Okay. I got a bike on Facebook Marketplace for nine hundred dollars. It was a steel kind of like road gravel bike, um, so it's heavy. Obviously, it's steel, mm-hmm. and um, it had a Jameis frame and a Surly fork. It had one disc brake and one rim brake. Um, it was like the definition of a Frankenstein bike, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, it was, it got the job done. Like it went through hell and back and it still works. Like I dropped it down a flight of stairs once and it was fine. Just so, for fun? <laughs> it was wet out and I just like slipped out of my hands. So I had to like go down the stairs. You're just, just like, watching no. it go like, bye bye. I was like, <laughs> it was fine. Like it yeah. was fine. <laughs> it was like just tumble down the stairs fully loaded was totally fine like <laughs> yeah can't do that with a carbon fiber bike you'd be like no no, no. Um, i'm a little bit <clears throat> a little bit chaotic so i i'd rather get like a durable bike mm-hmm. awesome yeah. um yeah and so when you're blasting through germany i guess you were kind of pushing longer days just to to get through and yeah yeah it was it was cold i have a couple of videos of myself like all you can see are my eyes. That's the only part of like my skin that you can see is like right, right where my eyes are. So I have like the the neck thing covering my nose and my mouth, the hat, the covered head to toe. It was very cool. Nice, I love it. Um, yeah. So how long did uh, so from the south of France? Then you were heading into um, Spain, Portugal. Portugal. Yeah, yeah. I, I ended in Barcelona. So oh, okay. I also met a guy in London the second time who lived there again. As you're traveling, like you meet people. For sure. And they're like, oh, if you're in the area, come say hi. So I did that multiple times. Yeah, you're not sure if it's a real invite or not, but you're like, I'm making it a real invite. <laughs> I'm a literal person. If someone tells me they can, I can come over, like I will. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm very literal. I, I'm very gullible for that reason. Cause I, I'm like, why would you lie? I just don't understand. <laughs> so uh. he said I could come over and I did. And I finished like, I think I had New Year's. I celebrated New Year's over at his place. Oh, um, sweet. And from, yeah. yeah. And then from there, he was car traveling. So he was like not working at the moment. So we just, he like built out a van and like, it was just like, I mean, not like a fully built out van, but like, you know, just like your regular, just your regular car. He like figured out a way to put some kind of foldable mattress right. in it. And we just traveled along the, the east, south coast, southeast coast of Spain, went to Gibraltar, went to Portugal for like five hours and then drove back up um, for about like a week, week and a half. Oh, that's so, excellent. Yeah. So I was so thankful to be done biking, though. I was really tired of biking every day. <laughs> was <laughs> this uh, this second tour, the, the European portion, was that like basically right after getting home to Maryland or how like how long between that first tour and second tour? A month. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty. I like booked my flight almost immediately when I came home. I was like, I was like, I don't want to get a job. Um, I had graduation money. So I, I was like the best way to, I had graduation money that was intended to use for traveling. Okay. And like, it was meant for like one month of travel and I spent it on like four and a half months of travel. So like, um, I was very fortunate for that. And I think I had like, 
4000 $5,000 my bank account, which was in, like total, which included buying a new bike, buying new gear, okay. buying the tickets. Um, and when I came back, I had $900. So, oh, you still had cash. You're laughing. That's amazing. Yeah, I still had $900 left. So like I, yeah, I spent $900 on a bike that whatever hundreds of dollars it was on the flight, um, I had to get like new new panniers and like new, a couple new things. And then the rest of the money was on like food and stuff like that. Nice. Um, yeah. So that's, that's amazing. I, I think it's really, really cool. What were some of the things that like you packed that maybe are unconventional that people might be like, Oh, that's a great idea. Or I never thought of that. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I was pretty simple. I had camping gear that I used three times. <laughs> so if you don't want to camp, you don't need to camp in Europe. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you could just, yeah. Warm showers your way around it. You can use warm showers or find a hostel. Like, uh, I don't know if there's anything unconventional that I packed really. Oh, the one thing I always bring is jewelry. Oh. I always bring some jewelry because when I'm not biking, I want to feel like a real human. And for me, like jewelry kind of symbolizes like civilization kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't bring the expensive stuff. Yeah. I just brought like nice stuff and it's also it packed so small. It takes up like almost no space. So that was the thing that I always make sure to bring is jewelry because mm. it just like, it makes me feel like an actual human being. What about makeup? Reality. Huh? What about makeup? I don't wear makeup. Okay. Um, I catch my face too much and I work out all the time. I don't want to like, I don't know, like some people will go to the gym with makeup on, which is like fine for them. I feel like I don't know, that would bother me. I like, yeah. It's like it's like a sensory thing for me. I just like don't like having it on my face. Okay, so jewelry is the thing that just gives you that sense of yeah, yeah, perfect. Like on this trip that I did this summer, one of the girls did bring makeup, kind of for the same philosophy of like wanting to dress up like when you're not on a bike. Mm -hmm. uh, just like it just feels good. Just feels good to be like, oh, like today I want to wear like a blue shirt and like silver jewelry. Like just, just <laughs> you know, a little creative, have a little personality. So yeah, that's the thing for me is it's jewelry. <laughs> nice. And um, so this was, uh, this was all kind of, uh, you came back January, this is 2022? Yes. Something yeah. like that? Um, yeah. And then you, you kind of got into the nine to five, you said, and started saving money and being able to buy your own clothes like not from thrift shops and stuff like a mm -hmm. feeling like yeah. a pretty good adult um yeah how did that go and what made you decide to get out on another bike tour i guess this past summer right before continuing on with the show i'd like to thank panorama cycles for sponsoring this podcast panorama cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in quebec canada dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel snow and off-road trails they believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Over the past year, I've been riding the Chickshocks fat bike, the Katadin gravel bike, and the Taiga mountain bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way, while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra fat bike race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to PanoramaCycles.com. Now back to the show. 
Yeah, the nine to five was fine, right? My job was remote. I was very lucky with my job. It was remote and it paid me well. Mm-hmm. Um, not too many people, Gen Z can say that. Like most of Gen Z makes a pretty terrible salary and has really high rent. I was very lucky because I had a, a good salary that didn't change where I lived. So I lived in a cheap city, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So I extended my dollar more. Um, a lot of people my age do not have that kind of luxury. Yeah. And it was it was nice to kind of like build a home. I moved four times in like eight months um, because of a lot of life events that would take a while to explain. But sure. <laughs> my life was absolute chaos while working the nine to five. Okay. Like health issues, getting sick, family issues, moving four times. Like well, I did see some of your posts that you're pretty open in your posts. I mean, I, I guess yeah. people could jump onto your Instagram if they definitely want to learn more about you from that aspect. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just like a lot was going on. Um, and right. I had just started this job and I was like, well, I can't divulge this information to like people. Like I literally was like, I started working last week. Like, what do I tell them? My aunt died. Like, like, what do I do? Oh, what do I do when I say like, I emergency like moved out of my mom's home, like within two or three weeks of starting the job. And like, it, like, like, like I took a lot of three day weekends, like for every time I had like a stupid life event that happened. Um, but it was fine, you know, whatever, like life happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just how it is, I guess. Yeah. Life's, um, it's got a lot of curveballs, you know? Yeah. It was a hard year for me. 2022 was a very, very hard year for me. Um, but after I had finally moved like the fourth time, I'm actually in this space, which is what you see right now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I like finally settled down. I remember when I first moved in, I didn't have I didn't have any furniture. I was like using my sleeping pad from like when I, all of my bike trips, right? That's oh my god, yeah. My mattress came in the mail. Like, <laughs> um, anyways, I so this third bike trip, which was the one across the United States, that was a group trip and a supported bike trip. Um, I was recruited for that. So oh, really? That's amazing. Yeah, so basically there's a nonprofit in Baltimore called the Ullman Foundation. Mm-hmm. Every year um, they run this like charity ride. You, uh, you sign up for the, the bike tour and you raise $5,000 for the nonprofit that helps young adults with cancer. And anyone like can sign up for this ride. Um, you have to, all you have to do is be between the ages of like 18 and 29. That's like the like oh, okay. limit. You gotta raise $5,000. And um, besides that, everything else is, doesn't cost anything. So they asked me to advertise. Because okay. I'm, a bike, I'm a bike packing influencer, which is like a niche thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm also from Baltimore, which is like where they, they are located. So it was like the most, it was like perfect. Like I guess it was fate. And they asked me to advertise it. So I did. And they were like, well, now that you're advertising, you should sign up. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Like, why not? It works for me. Um, so, one of the girls working there, when I was like, what do I do? I have a job, like, do I just quit? She said that what she's done in the past is just write her like manager, her CEO, like a letter about what she wants to do and like why they should let her take time off. So I copied it, edited it, emailed my CEO, like a one page word document about wanting to take two and a half months of unpaid time off to back across the country. And it was a tech startup. So it was like a pretty flexible thing. And they said, uh-huh. okay. So 
I got that time off and then I officially signed up. Well, congrats. Right. That's uh that's cool because yeah, I think a lot of companies, like, I think that's a very European thing, you know, like I've met so many Europeans where they're like, oh yeah, well, I just took a year off unpaid so I can go do this adventure or whatever. And I'm like, who lets you so, do that? <laughs> yeah. Three of the four co-founders were European. Oh okay, yeah. So, so. Um, it made sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> nice. And uh, did you hit your $5,000 goal? I did, but it was a struggle. Um, most of my friends are broke and yeah, like, you guys were just students a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. And it was a struggle. Actually, my employer did donate a lot of money, which was helpful. And Velo Orange donated money oh, yeah. also, which was really helpful. Um, so some people on my team raised money very fast, but like it, everyone has different connections, you know, like yeah. one of my friends, why they raise money so fast is because they just asked their parents, friends to donate. So it, like their connections were like adults who have like pensions and like mm-hmm. savings. They could donate like $200 easily. My friends would give me like $10. <laughs> which yeah. like, that's just the reality of how it was. But I, I lucked out at the very end um, with my employer and Velo Orange both like donating. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, so I just like just barely got the five thousand dollar mark, barely. <laughs> and the the riding for this, um, you guys were riding east to west, I presume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and did it start in Baltimore or it started on the coast? Yeah, we started in Baltimore. We started in the Inner Harbor, so okay. which is literally six miles from where I live right now. Oh, um, super. Yeah, literally right there. So um, very close to home. Very, very like people flew, like people and their families flew in, and I'm like. I just lived there. You know? You're like, wake up, brush your teeth, have a cup of coffee. And you're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the thing is like, we kind of, we touch our back wheel in the, um, in the, the, um, the inner Harbor. And then when we get to California, we touch it in the ocean. Um, mm. so kind of like, I guess like symbolic way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. The water to water. I think they do the same when you're like, if you do coast to coast, um, you know, you would dip the wheel and it's like ocean to ocean. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and we biked like through Pennsylvania up to Chicago, and then like to the Midwest. And you had a newer oh, bike by now, right? I think. Huh? You had a different bike, or still on the same bike? Yeah. So every I think a Jamis was it, right? I saw a box of a Jamis bike in one of your videos. Yes, it was a Jamis Nova. I don't okay. remember. It was a Jamis bike. Sure. Um, just like a like a an aluminum road bike, basically. Um, the only thing that I switched out were the tires. I got some Schwalbe marathons. Yeah. Schwalbe. I was told it's not pronounced Schwalbe. It's like Schwalbe or something Schwalbe. Like that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not German. so Everyone here says Schwalbe. So. Yeah, so that's, what, that's pretty much what all Canadians say. Um, that's – I just switched out those tires for Schwalbe marathons because, like, those They're are – bomb-proof. Changer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So – that was it. And then we like started biking on the, everyone had the same bike pretty much except for two people who wanted to bring their own. Um, and yeah, the bikes were provided. So once you Oh, was it? Okay. That's excellent. So once you hit a certain fundraising milestone, you got the bike. So all of the bikes that I own are because of a certain bike tour that I had been on. Nice. The bike came into my life because that was the tour. That was whatever I could afford. Right. So this one was given to us. Um, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. That's such a nice, uh, a nice way to run an organization and a fundraiser like that. Yeah. And and like accommodations along the way was all covered by. Yeah, you mostly stay in churches. So oh, okay. Like sleeping. Yeah, so we would have to lay out our you know sleeping pad and sleeping bag, sleeping bag on church floors. So we okay. Like- 
Well, that's steady. great though. I mean, cause I couldn't imagine a fundraiser. It's like if you raise $5,000, but stay in hotels every night, I'm like, that yeah. doesn't seem like much of the money would get back to the charity. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we did say sometimes we would stay in people's homes um, whether it was like a friend of someone on the trip. We did camp a couple of times. There was actually one day where I did have to use warm showers because we were going to go camping, but it was like flood. It was like a flood, um, flood warning. Like oh, it was, wow. we were going to get rained out. And I had, to, we were like freezing in like a fast food place in Omaha, Nevada. And I'm like messaging all these people in warm showers. Like any chance you could host 11 people? Um, and <laughs> two people said yes. So, but besides that, like Epic. it was- Mostly sleeping in church floors, maybe like a couple community centers, camping just a few times. We camped like a, maybe a dozen times at maximum. Okay. Um, at maximum, maybe probably less than that. Um, yeah. How long was the trip? You said around three months, right? Yeah, two and a half months. Two and a half months. Oh, that's great. And um, yeah, let's talk about uh, being a social media influencer and how did this come about? At what point did you start making more and more videos or Instagram what do you call them? Yeah. Reels? Um, yeah. So I, on my first bike trip, I posted on Instagram because I didn't want to have to text my friends individually every day mm-hmm. what was happening. I just put it on Instagram for like my friends to watch, to know what was happening. Um, and then when I got to Europe, I was kind of dilly-dallying like, well, do I want to be an influencer? Like, should I keep posting? Should I do whatever? And I was only half committed to the idea when I was in Europe of being an influencer. Okay. And um, there's a lot of things to learn. Also trying to be an influencer is hard because there's just so much can happen. I mean, some people, it, being an influencer is crazy. Like some people treat it like a full professional marketing job. Yeah. Whereas other people just happen to go viral. And then that's kind of what makes them an influencer. Like mm-hmm. it's like some people do it very intentionally and some people it kind of just happens and then they just build from there. So I was like, well, where do I fall in between? Um, and I just kind of tried it out and it's, I I don't have the highest quality engagement for my, my following, which is an issue that I do need to work out. But, um, you know, I have the people who like are very loyal, who like comment on every single video that I post. Oh yeah. Um, so there are always some people like that. Um, but influencing is just a crazy world. It's just insane. Like anything can happen. You could be struggling. You could just randomly have something go viral. You could have people say the most egregious things online. I mean, like, it's just, it's like, it's so unpredictable. Yeah. And like, have you had situations where like just the rudest things are said and like. Yeah. I mean, I've had another, I had a number of people just like, ask me if I'm transgender and I was just like why 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 are you asking me this like is it because I'm like taller than the average man like why are you (laughs) asking me if I'm trans like I just don't understand like why you feel comfortable putting this in my comment section yeah one video where I was being harassed by a guy in the, the New York City subway and I got a video of me like screaming like screaming at him and the comments are like some of them are like men saying like that they want to like attack me. They want to like, you know, like all these things, like, like literally like threats of physical violence, you know, or like basically gaslighting me saying like, well, I shouldn't have been standing there at like 2 a.m. to go on the train. Instigating the the issues or whatever. Yeah, that's people, yeah. Are, people are fucked. They're like like they're, yeah. they're, it's unreal what people say online, like sometimes it's, blows my mind. 
it's it can be really bad yeah. like it can be the comments can be really bad especially as a woman because also when you're a woman online like every woman knows stories of other women who have been stalked right every woman knows stories of people who have been found who have been threatened who have like been hurt and you know becoming an influencer you you do know in the back of your mind like there could be a crazy person who goes out of their way to find you right right because like, it does happen every single day yeah. I have had those worries of like, is it even safe maybe an influencer? Yeah. Um, but I, had a, I had a guest on the show a while back um, and she's in the Toronto area and she, she does videos and stuff. So I guess you could say to some degree, she's an influencer. And in the podcast recorded, she mentioned where the bike shop she works at. And then afterwards, before I ever posted it, she messaged me and said, I was just thinking maybe you could delete that section just because I don't want to take the risk of some psycho wanting to you know going oh this is where she works i'm gonna go and you know like who knows what could happen and le- what what could yeah. come from it and i was like yeah. wow that's mess like to you know as a guy i'm so privileged in that sense that i've never had that worry you know like it's not yeah. that is not a worry that would have come across there's many other worries i would have in my life but that's not yeah. one of them you know yeah um, yeah i i remember like trying to hold back saying my last name for, like as long as i could you know and then like eventually i kind of got to a point where I couldn't anymore because it was like maybe like an article written about me or something mm-hmm. like little things like that little details are like just yeah and I, I think know. of like things like even like Strava it's like okay I have yeah. I have the area around my house blurred but I mean that's not that yeah, big an area so it's not like it's the the most secure system and you know people are using Strava to steal people's bikes and stuff and um you know yeah. so it's like as a woman then all of a sudden you'd be like now there's such another worry that you have to think about and like just things like yeah. that there's so many any yeah. crazy person out there, they will find a way if they're really that interested. And that's kind of messed yeah. up. Yeah. 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 The stories that like women hear from other women every day is just like, it's like all of us, we, we know like the potential of harm that could happen in any circumstance. Um, so like, that's just, that's what it's like. But for an influencer, like tying back to that, I've, I don't know. I feel like fine. I mean, I live alone. I bought a second lock for my front door. So okay. I have three Plus I have like a video camera and like all that kind of stuff. I have like, you know, I have this like retractable baton that I have next to my bed just in case. Like a little police one, like the police tile. Yeah, literally. Because I mean, I I live alone. Like what are you going to, what else am I going to do? You should dip, dip the end in like some kind of glue and broken glass. Just. Oh, now here I'm helping you out. (laughs) Yeah. Getting clever. Yeah. So (laughs) it was, I've, one thing I've tried to do is like, not instigate too many arguments online anymore mm-hmm. because I have my beliefs and a lot of people don't believe in them. And um, I, I kind of came to the conclusion that Claire, you can, y- your, your purpose online is for biking. There are other people who talk about these issues far better than I ever will. Mm-hmm. Stick to biking. That's your niche. Try to ignore the people who are saying the terrible things, yeah. delete the comments, block them, that kind of stuff. So I used to get in those online fights a lot more, but I've kind of been like, Claire, because like there's some people who make their whole influencing career off of that. Like Drew off wallet, like her whole thing is like, just like arguing with terrible men online. Oh yeah. Like misogynists. But I'm not, that's not like my specialty. I just, I clearly like, just It's not your jam. <laughs> just focus on biking. Like, yeah. Just, just ignore the people who say the terrible things to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I follow. I follow. Like, I'm on a couple of Facebook groups and stuff for like I, I'm a I'm a hockey fan and and uh, 
and for my own the team I cheer for it, but like it's unbelievable how rude people within that own fan base are to one another and like the things they say you're like you guys cheer for the same team are you absolutely like what is wrong with you you know how can you be so stupid like uh yeah. you know at least if you're gonna be that rude be rude to the TV people of the other team you know like yeah it's crazy yeah. um yeah. I don't get it but uh yeah so kudos to you for sticking it out and being uh trying to make yeah. a go at being an influencer what's that what's your style of videos you know or like is it more instagram i see you're i think you're making a starting to do a little bit of youtube i believe i saw yeah. in one of your posts yeah i i've been spending the last several days working on youtube um because i've always wanted to be a youtuber like growing up when i was in middle school i always admired youtubers and like now that i quit my job and i have like a healthy savings because i kind of knew i was going to rage quit one day um, I'm like, okay, this is the time to learn the skill for YouTubing. So right now it's Instagram and TikTok. TikTok, I just kind of post more of like the voiceover kind of stuff, the more trendy kind of things. They're really easy. They're quick. Um, is that what, oh, that one's where there's like a, the th something talking in the background and person doing a video of whatever, like showing a video of fixing your tire. And it's like, yeah, kind of like Mondays that. suck or whatever. Often, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also do informational videos okay. um, because like kind of off of that, because like some people don't know they need to learn something or also I think a lot of people get their knowledge from like like a like a 40 year like a 40 year old guy at a bike shop which is like fine but like I feel like it'd be nice for someone to see like a random 20 year like 24 year old girl online being like watch me replace my pedals in like the not swiftest manner but I can do it so yeah. like I think I think there's something to that like I and I maybe you know particularly again amongst people in your own generation who are more more keen to go on Instagram to find that or you know if they're following yeah. you and they know that you're doing these videos they might scroll through and be like ah oh, here's her TikTok doing pedal stuff or yeah. whatever or Instagram and yeah. where where somebody from <laughs> my generation uh, might be more like oh YouTube and all yeah. YouTube park tools videos because they're the experts and you know we're, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're I mean, I like of a different with, mindset yeah yeah I start off with park tools um yeah, I, I do like to post the informational stuff just to help add like a little bit of variety. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm a white woman, but at least at least it's like a little bit of something new. I don't know. And if you can, um, and the girls and somebody will be like, if she can do it, I can do it. So yeah, exactly. empowerment, I'm right? Like, I'm like, I don't do things like always the best, but I can do it. And like, <laughs> I am happy to share that with other people to show that you don't need to be an expert. Like yeah. all you need to do is have a little bit of perseverance maybe you know cry halfway through when <laughs> something goes wrong and, and like get back to it so. and, and maybe they'll see what you did wrong and they won't make that same mistake and then you, you'll yeah. fix it and then they'll be like oh yeah i know what to do if this happens you know so yeah like because yeah. maybe when you often when you watch like a park tool video like we mentioned it's it's very perfect and they don't make yes. mistakes and when you come across a mistake when you're trying to do it you're like well what happened what did i do wrong because the person on the video doesn't make mistakes and here you know here's a video of somebody that's trial by error you know and so yeah. I, I could see a lot of benefit and it. it's very cool I've, I've always considered putting more time and effort into Instagram and YouTube and I just don't have the time I have the effort yeah. no time I mean you have a full-time job like I mean I've done the full-time job plus the side thing so like, I know the life that you're I have, I have sympathy for the kind of life that you're living right now like it's it's a lot it's a lot and I still get out riding sometimes not as much as I would like but it's also when you have a sub two-year-old baby in the house it's uh it does eat up a lot of time as well so yeah yeah I I imagine um 
Yeah, I, I did go off grid though for social media for like most of the bike trip this summer because I was like burnt out from it. So yeah, I posted like nothing for the majority of the trip. Did you did you record a lot of content though and stuff that you're thinking to work with later? Or? Um, yeah, like some. When I was in the Midwest, I recorded almost nothing because that was kind of when I decided to go off grid. And also, the Midwest is really boring. And I was like, what's the point of getting videos when all I see is corn, wheat, and soil? Here's another day of cornfields. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, when we got to Colorado, though, where are the blonde I kids? No. <laughs> yeah, um, Midwest was like so boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when we got to Boulder, Colorado, everything like immediately got better. So I did record a lot more, but like for personal purposes, I was like, Claire, don't post online. You promised yourself you wouldn't post. Like I had to pull myself back from it because um, I knew I needed a break. But I did record a lot of videos, okay, just, like for myself and for things to work with in the future. Not, yeah. not like. Not as many videos as like I would have liked, but enough where I didn't like I had content, but I wasn't burnt out from like yeah the the guilt of like feeling I need to get every single detail. Okay. How how great is Boulder? I've Boulder heard such really good nice. good um, things. It's really nice, but I think it's more of a college town, right? It's a little bit smaller than Denver. We didn't go to Denver, but okay. Um, yeah, Boulder was nice. I mean. Everyone there was so pretty. Everyone looked happy and healthy. Like, <laughs> I think they're very outdoorsy there, right? Like, noisy? D- outdoorsy. Oh, oh yeah, 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 very outdoorsy. Everyone like had like tan skin. Like, was like fit. Just like people just looked very happy and healthy. And they do these um, crazy bike nights uh, where everybody decorates their bikes and they ride around Boulder and with yeah. music blaring and stuff. It seems really awesome. That sounds like Baltimore Bike Party. That's oh, yeah? Crazy. You guys do something like that, too? That's cool. Every month in Baltimore, this thing called Baltimore Bike Party. It's the last Friday of every month. And, like, Halloween is the next one coming up. There's going to be at least 1,000 people. Oh, that would be like, epic. I imagine for Halloween, it's like everybody goes out times 10, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's it's, cool. It's mayhem. <laughs> we need to organize an auto. If somebody's listening from Ottawa that has time and energy on their part, uh, organize a bike party. I'm down. I'll yeah. join. I'll yeah. decorate something. Do it. Do it. Please. It's the best. It's the best thing. It's the best thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what else? Um, I, I actually saw something. It was today, I think. I was scrolling a little earlier, and uh, I, th- I thought it was really interesting. You read a lot of books, and I th- thought it was really super cool that you you posted and you said, I've been reading a lot of books by – I'm going to get it wrong, but I think you said like gay transverse nations because growing up, I read tons of white people books and now I'm just trying to open, you know, these other boundaries and expand my horizons. And I thought that was really cool because, you know, often as a teacher, we we see more and more literature coming into the classrooms that's um, alternative. And, you know, you do hear the rhetoric that like, why are we cramming all this down the kids throats and, you know. Um, but I, yeah. I really like that comment about the perspective of, you know, just, uh, yeah, um, the hurt, you know, just broadening the, the horizons of what yeah. we grew up with. Right. Because, like, arguably I have read a lot of good books from like white men, straight white men, affluent, like women, like I have read a lot of good books from them, but I've also arguably not read nearly enough good books from other people of other identities and that is limiting like that limits your knowledge and like your empathy for other people and that kind of stuff and like how am I going to learn if I only learn from one type of person Mm -hmm. um so 
I love learning. I'm kind of really over school. I want to learn like whatever I want, whenever I want to. Um, so like right now I'm currently reading two books. I'm reading one that's called The Soul of an Octopus, which is like a current New York Times bestseller that I got at like a free library. And then I'm also reading a book called Gender Queer. And that's written by a transgender woman. Um, and like not enough people would read like a book from a transgender person. like. You know, I've never once thought about what the world would look like if we, like, got rid of the concept of, like, a man versus a woman and, like, or stuff like that. Like, the, the, like or reading books like Audre Lorde. She's one of, like, my favorite people that I've ever read from before. Okay. She's more of a um, But, like, or, like, Angela Davis. I went through a whole rabbit hole of Angela Davis and everyone who was related to her. Like, <laughs> I got so into the 60s and 70s, 70s, like Black Liberation Movement kind of stuff. Like, the like prison reform, the Soul Dad Brothers, like all that kind of, I went to a whole rabbit hole. I, I honestly would have kept going, but I was like, Claire, like, you need to read something new. Like, you've read about five books about like prisons in like the 60s and 70s and like um, all that kind of stuff. It's like time to- Going deep. Yeah, now it's time to learn about octopus. And, like, Do you read like um, bike memoirs, stories like that, like written by bike authors? So um, I did read one from Quentin Dahl. He is Australian and he biked across, he biked like um, North America to South America. Um, I don't I don't remember, he like Canada to, I think he was trying to go to like, like literally like the entire, okay. like, all the it's like top to bottom but i think he stopped part of the way through like in south america because of whatever reason but that was the only bike memoir that i've read okay and um you could check out uh, megan hackinen she was on the podcast she's a good friend of mine now and um yeah. she's written two books now about her adventures one first one as her bike tour and then the second one was when she raced uh, the race across america and how yeah, we, we met a guy who did that and how it pushed her into like more endurance stuff and this and that she's super yeah. cool so um, yeah. holds like a 24 yeah. hour world time trial championship uh, record and like she's a, she's amazing she's she's the uh, remember when you talked about the uh, the rowing girl who was huge and had wicked quads I was out biking with Megan and I was like look at those quads <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's so powerful I'm like yeah she's kind of a, yeah. like my closet hero <laughs> yeah yeah like that's what that's what gives me inspiration like the quads <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, it, if people also want to listen to a good book, it's called um, A Backroads Journey, A Backroads Quest. I'll probably have to, I'll send it to you, I forget, but Quentin Dahl. I think Quentin Dahl? A Backroad back Quest or something like that. But it was really good. It was a really good book. Oh, like, cool. Just being a young 20 year old guy, just like biking, like adventure happens, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, what's next for you? Like, do you have any big plans uh, in the next? Well, I don't know. Now you're unemployed, right? You said, uh, what do you call it? And you had a term for it. Uh, Fun employed. Fun employed. Um, so I have a bike tour coming up in December. Oh. I'm going to be book I'm gonna be booking the flight with my friend. So my friend Jima did the cross-country tour with me. Yeah, yeah. Right? Get along super well. Also lives like a mile and a half from me. Um, so it's perfect. And we are going to be biking New Zealand. No, like the Tay, the, the, the trail, like the Tay Aurora, however you say it? We're going to go start in Christchurch and make a loop around the South Island. Okay. And then they're going to fly out of Wellington because they're a PhD student, which means that mm. right, they have winter break. I will stay longer because I can't. You're fun employed. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm fun employed. And uh, so when they fly home in Wellington, I'll go to Auckland also and then probably pop over to Australia. But that's my current tour, which is why I got my fourth bike because hey. all my bikes are and get them because of my upcoming tours. So what did you get? I'm so I'm so interested. So Velo Orange gifted me a bike. Oh, nice. Yeah, Velo Orange is also a Maryland-based company. Which are they really? Know. I didn't know that. Yeah, they were born in Annapolis, and now they're I forget where, but like they're still like you know not too far from the city. Mm-hmm. But Velo Orange initially reached out to give me a bike for the U.S. trip, but I declined because I already had a bike. Um, and then when I decided, when GM and I were talking about biking New Zealand, I emailed them and I was like, hey still want to give me a bike and it's um it's like a very it's a gravel bike that's meant to like you know survive some mountain bike sure it can take a little bit wider tires kind of thing like like a drop bar mountain bike almost it has flat bars they're crazy bars okay. oh yeah yeah the velo orange crazy bars oh, yeah we well known yeah um i have 650b wheels and like um some schwalbe thunderbird tires and yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a good bike for getting a little bit off a little bit off road. Um, yeah, get a little bit more immersed in nature. Oh, it's going to be awesome! I'm so jealous. Yeah, I'm excited. I've and- uh, I've been to New Zealand. It was epic. Uh, I think I did about really? 17 days there, but it was at that time not bike touring. I just got back into biking, so I was still like a roadie. And uh, I did like a camper van trip with a friend, and uh, yeah. it was amazing, awesome. Just yeah. It's not yeah, cheap. It's not cheap, but it's probably comparative, you know, to Canada. Like, you know, probably compared to US, everything will be a little bit more expensive. But if you're camping along the way, which is easy in New Zealand, um, yeah. I think you'll have a great time. Right now with the conversion rate, um, it should be a little bit cheaper. No, I meant just the general cost of products. So if you're buying bread in the US versus New Zealand, maybe it's like bread's more expensive or milk's more expensive. Yeah. but. One way we will be saving money is we've, I've found a lot of like free designated campsites in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the DOC campsites. I don't, I think paying for campgrounds is a little bit dumb. I feel like campgrounds should be like maximum $5. Yeah. It's like when it's like $20 a night, if you add that up, that's like the cost of living in an apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Canada's way worse in Ontario. I think you, you don't get the cost you pay the same price as a camper van trailer whatever so you pay like 50 bucks a night if you want to camp in a campground you're you're mental if you do that you know like i mean there may be times when it's good like i we had a a speak a presenter at the uh, canadian shield bikepacking summit i organized uh this past june and she said you know when i wild camp i never have a good sleep i'm always a little bit uncomfortable i'm always a little bit paranoid i'm gonna get caught or seen but if I just pay for a campsite, I have a great sleep. I'm comfortable. I I know that I have a nice spot and all this stuff, access to bathrooms and showers. And it's like, sometimes it's just worth it. And I'm like, oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a good yeah. point. You know, there's a, there's a lot to be yeah. said there, even if it's overpriced in Canada. Yeah. 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 At least in New Zealand, they do have already designated campgrounds yeah. for free. Um, there's more than that you pay for, but there are some that are free that have like a toilet and that's it. And I'm like, honestly, that works for me. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be epic. That's so cool. So, um, how long is, uh, how long are you with your friend for? Um, a month, maybe, maybe a month and a half. Okay. I, and then they'll fly back and you'll stick around and yeah, I'll see where, see where the wind takes you. Pretty much. And I've talked to other friends about maybe doing like Iceland or, you know, like Jima's from like, maybe we can do Japan. I've also been told that, what was it? 
was it um was it vietnam i forget there's another country that i was told was like amazing for biking so yeah J- japan is yeah. very good i'm actually going to record a podcast fairly soon on that i have a buddy who's just coming back and my son is in japan so i know the the culture and like where you should eat and all these things and then he's got some good tips about bike touring in japan so check that out um yeah. japan's super cool super great country um I would say like most of East Asia, like China's a little bit more complicated, but Japan and Korea really quite fun yeah. and easy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Vietnam's great. Thailand, you can never go wrong. Malaysia is yeah. great. The people are awesome. The food is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I lived in Malaysia yeah. seven years, so oh, wow. I, I know uh, how good Malaysia is. Um, yeah. yeah. So you're going to have a blast. I'm, I'm excited. I like, I'm a lot more fit now. I know a lot more like basic bike maintenance things to like, if I need to fix something on the side of the road. Like I'm a lot more competent than I was when I was in Europe. Yeah. So this should be easier. Also, I'm a friend. So. Which is nice. Yeah. yeah. And you've ridden before together. So you can, you know, you can already yeah. know you can tolerate each other at the worst of times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like we've already seen <laughs> each other have like full breakdowns. <laughs> Somebody good so, to make that video so you can post it later. <laughs> yeah. And we frequently shared a tent together or like shared a dorm room. So like we know like we're very comfortable with each other. Yeah. So it'll be like, are you, uh, are you still running panniers on the bike or are you changing it around with this new, the new setup? Um, no, I'll have, um, yeah. Orly panniers front and back. Um, I have a big Agnes tent that'll be on the handlebars. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like one of the bike packing ones there with the short little rods. Oh, yes. that's a nice little splurge gift. It's half as large as my yeah. my original tent. They're unreal. <laughs> They're unreal. Yeah. I'm so excited about that. Um, but I think I'll have maybe maybe like the gravel panniers and then like the the, the yeah the little like smaller ones. And then maybe I'll put like a bag on top of the panniers. That way, like the the large ones. I mean, they're nice because they're big, but like. It's like not as aerodynamic, it's a little bit clunky. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, whereas the smaller ones, the gravel ones have an extra like um, attachment point. Yeah, it's I was gonna say, one. I think uh, one of the big things with the gravel-esque ones versus your traditional road ones is like the Ortliebs, they just have the little clips where gravel ones tend to Velcro on. Mm-hmm. And so they're much more stable. They're not gonna come flying off if you go down a bunch of bumps and- yeah. You know, yeah. so which could be clutch. <laughs> like worse, yeah. nothing worse than getting a panty stuck in your spokes. Yeah, so it's gonna be a good time, and it's gonna be also, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I I just love bike packing. I feel like it's one of the most authentic forms of adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, like really anything can happen. Like you can't escape the elements. Like you just you you really can't escape the elements. And it's like and if if the if it's too hot or too cold or something, I mean, you just gotta deal with it. And that's kind of like that's adventure you know that's that's what adventure is like you get a flat tire and you run out of you run out of tubes like okay go figure out how to fix it like yeah <laughs> it's just, i think bikepacking is the best form of travel and adventure because it's so raw it's just mm-hmm. so raw you can't you can't really like do it easy i mean i did a supported bike tour and that was a pretty bougie trip but, like an unsupported one is like that's yeah that's i think i think you're in for a whole new thing like because after your your original tour and then your tour through europe which was more road touring and um and then your next one now you're kind of getting into it where you're you're gonna start mixing it a bit more right and it's gonna yeah. it's gonna be yeah. like a whole new world of adventure yeah. mixing in like yeah. 
the traditional with the off the beaten track type thing. Yeah, I'm excited to be a little bit less city centric and more <clears throat> nature centric yeah. this time. I think um, it's a trend I see with like as I've done this for four and a half years talking to bike tours and slash yeah. bike packers because it feels like a lot of bike tours slowly become bike packers if if there's I, know, I hate the distinction there is no clear distinction but you know like they start to modify their kit to a point where they can now be more remote or more off the beaten track a little bit lighter so they can handle some yeah. you know trails and climbing and whatnot and and I think that's really cool because it gets you so much more off the tourist trap line and into the yeah. community, you know, and into to the culture. Yeah. yeah, I think it's easy to start off being more road centric because you have the um, one, it's usually familiar for most people. Yeah. Roads. Two, also, you're probably closer to cities. And for me, that was a huge thing. Security. Like, yeah. Just like comfort right yes exactly like if something went wrong like in europe there's a train yeah <laughs> you can train nearby but um now that i have more confidence and like skills and everything i'm like prepared to not always have a city nearby and that'll be a new that'll be a very new experience for me so exciting that's gonna be super cool to follow your adventures and see where it goes yeah. yeah do you have any upcoming ones i assume um, you have any <clears throat> no teaching uh <laughs> Um, nothing much. I think uh, I'm excited for, actually, I just got a, um, bike joring set up for my dog so she can start being in the front and pulling a bit and getting that. So I'm, I'm hoping that she's fun with that because she tends to like to run beside me or behind me. And, uh, but I think as she gets used to that, she, she might enjoy that aspect of feeling like she's working, you know? Yeah. Um, and then this winter, I might do a little bit of a, a couple night trip with uh, the crew from Panorama, which is one of the sponsors of the podcast. And nice. uh, they're the ones that have gifted me my fat bike. And I might, I will probably do a, a winter fat bike race in February. Last year I did the 50K. I'd like to do the 200 kilometer yeah. fat bike race, which is 200 kilometers on a fat bike is awful <laughs> it's a lot of work and it's cold I can imagine you must be that'll take a long time because you're a little slower I think the, the hardest part is um figuring out like thermal regulation you know because it's very easy to start sweating and if you start sweating ultimately that's just going to mean at some point you're going to get cold so yes. it's like it's like figuring out how do I not sweat too much you know what do I do how much do I shed or open or whatever to I, yeah I, I dealt with that every day when I was in Europe. Right. So you would have dealt with that. Yeah. You're cruising. You're like, I'm doing great. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, it's getting cold. Like, why am I cold? Oh yeah. I'm soaked. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like strategic. Like what mile an hour can I go at to like mm -hmm. be a, but not sweat? <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was talking, I was doing a podcast with this guy from Calgary and Doug and I forget who he was talking about, but the guy's like, yeah, his, his theory is don't sweat. Is like it's better to stop and shed a layer or open a layer or stop to zip whatever more often than it is to ever start sweating. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I could ever not sweat, but uh, I, I I like yeah. the theory, you know, like yeah, yeah, it's definitely it. I I know I know that mentality. I, I know exactly that mentality. Yeah, I think the key, like for me, it'd be more like keep your neck covered and your lower face just so it doesn't get cold from the wind, but like you could yeah. then have your whole chest open or have your jacket even flapping. Um, yeah. but if your neck is protected, you probably won't get that throat issues you might otherwise. I don't know. 
Yeah. Being from Maryland, you probably don't have crazy winters like Canada. So. I mean, we definitely do have cold winters. Oh yeah. Um, but like it hasn't snowed a lot in the recent years. Okay. Um, we had three meters last year. Yeah, no, <laughs> but it does get really cold. Like it's not nearly as crazy, yeah. but like it does, like it does get pretty cold. So okay. It's windy. So fair enough. I can still bike. It's not like terrible. Like the main thing here is ice. Just mm, right. Yeah. As soon as you get below zero and if it's, if you're not getting a lot of snow, it tends to turn into rain. Right. Which means ice. Yeah, we get the rain and then it freezes. Then you have ice. That's when uh, when are you leaving to New Zealand? Like, what's the what's the plan? Because I know there's summers coming up, so it's gonna be yeah perfect time. So we leave like December, um, like mid December, and we get we go to Christchurch, and then we celebrate Christmas in Queenstown. Okay, um, and then we finish and end it in I'm blinking Wellington, New Auckland, not Auckland, Wellington, oh, Wellington. Wellington. We, we, so we, well, Wellington, friend flies home. I keep going, so it'll be mid December. They'll be flying home like mid mid to late January. I think I think they'll be like about forty days. Okay, um, for me probably like fifty, maybe sixty. I might just hang out, or maybe them. maybe forever. Who knows? Yeah, I might <clears> just get a work visa, but I have a cat though, so I can't stay there for too long. I have oh. to you know make sure my cat's being taken care of. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, so. I'm, it's gonna be a really good time. I'm excited um, to go on another adventure, like a real adventure. Like, yeah, um, super. All right. Well, yeah. um, is there anything I missed that you might want to touch on? Um, um, I just anyone listening to this, like, if you're young, like, and you want to go on a bike tour, like, please do. Like, you don't need to get a nine to five. I mean, unless you, like, unless you have medical bills or like student debt and all that stuff. Like, if you you don't have pressing issues go on a bike tour <laughs> like yeah just, you shouldn't give up your life so fast if you don't have to i think mm -hmm. um also maybe with the income driven repayment plan maybe you can be unemployed and not have to pay back your student debt yet so <laughs> um if you're unemployed you won't have to pay it because you make no money so then maybe you can go traveling i, I just feel like people need to go like, yeah i have i have friends that were teaching abroad american friends that were teaching abroad when i was uh living in different countries and all of them had a shit ton of debt in the u.s and they're like well yeah because i'm not really showing my income properly and so i'm just not paying back yet and i'm not collecting yeah. interest so it's great like they're like i'll worry yeah. about it later and i'm like yeah, I mean, with the income driven repayment plan from Biden, right? Like, if you don't make money, you don't have to pay it back. I'm, that's like, I mean, that's not like all the nuanced details of it, but I just think if people are listening to this, like, just go on a bike trip. Like, you don't need that much experience. You just need a delusional amount of confidence uh, to be able to survive. <laughs> so, like, as long as you're a little bit delusional, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And if you have questions in through this delusion, uh, you can, I'll, I'll add links and you can definitely reach out to Claire and, uh, yeah. shoot her a message and ask opinions yeah. and stuff. Yeah. 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 It's just one delusional person to another. Right? <laughs> I always tell people it's better to be crying in a new country than crying at home because your life's boring. So. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Um, I think you had a really good little video posted talking about like the government wants us to work while we're young and healthy and then retire and do nothing when we're older but like why would you do that why wouldn't you flip it around and uh mm -hmm. enjoy one year i traveled when i was young and lived in six different countries over 15 years wow. and 
but I was working. So I, but I had holidays and lots of travels and weekends. And that was the way I rolled because I didn't have the money otherwise. But I mean, ultimately I could have I now yeah. knowing what I know now I could have, but I didn't at that time, you know? Yeah. 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 It's just, it's so worth it. So that's, yeah. that's really, it. just, just go out there. And I moved back to Canada at age 39. So I was like, Oh, okay. So yeah, do it. Yeah. Get out there. Enjoy the world. See it. And uh, you'll have no regrets, maybe less money, but you'll have lots of memories and no regrets. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Claire, it was awesome talking to you. Um, you don't have to hang up, but I'll end the recording so you can just say bye-bye. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll talk soon and I'll try to get this posted as, uh, as reasonably quickly as I can. So bye-bye and keep yeah. on pedaling. Yeah, thank you. This was a good time. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.